Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome into the House of L podcast. I'm Lawrence Holmes. Thanks for hanging out here with me. I'm on the road right now. I went on a little mini vacation. So I'm out of town and I was out of town when I got the news this morning about Les. And of course, like it made me tremendously sad. I want to try though. I want to try and talk about like what Les meant to me and also try to talk about the fun of Les Grobstein in this episode. He's become, it's so interesting to me because I think that there were a lot of people who always liked Les. Even when I started working at the score, and I'll get to that in a little bit, but he's become like a cult hero in circles. And I know John Greenberg has, has done a lot writing stories about Les and his idiosyncratic nature, all of the things that made less, less. I started out at the score in 1998. And my first full-time job was being the overnight producer. Like when I started, there was a lot of us. It was me, it was Zampillo, Speaks. Speaks had been there a couple years, Matt Fishman. Like there was a bunch of us there when I started. Uh, a lot of whom who've gone on to work in the industry. But you kind of had to build, your, like, stair-step your way up as a producer. Like, you were, usually you were a tape person first. And then you got the opportunity to work on weekend shows. Like, that was part of it. And then you would fill in. If this producer had some time off or if someone got sick, they'd ask you, can you come run the heavy fuel crew show? Stuff like that. And if a full-time position came available, it was like a fight at the bat rack. You know, getting an opportunity to get benefits and a salary and all of those things. So I got the opportunity to produce Les's show overnight. And back then, man, were we truly overnight. If I have this right, it was Tommy Williams 9P to 1A because we were on 1160 at that point and we had just started to move into 24-hour programming. And so I got to produce less 1 a.m. to 5.30 a.m. before the bull and the bear would come into the studio. And I always loved it. And, you know, Doug would come in at like 3.15 and, He'd always ask me where the papers were. And 
Norm would stroll in at like 5.15 and they'd do their show and it was hysterical. But in the meantime, I had to produce less. So basically the, the role of the overnight producer back then, because we didn't have digital editing, I was cutting stuff with, with an actual reel and tape and a grease pen and a razor blade. I'd usually get in 10.30, 11 o'clock at night and put the show together. Like if there were different concepts that Les wanted to get into, different topics, I'd be finding the sound bites, make sure they were good. Les for a long time at the score had to do a lot of stuff by himself because he was the overnight host. So there wasn't a lot of, um, there weren't a lot of resources for the overnight host. That just wasn't something that happened. So when I got there, I grew up at HF and at HF, we, we worked really hard to produce shows. We wanted our hosts to have everything that they need. Like one of the reasons, one of the ways you get out of the program at HF is you have to do a 60 minute doc, 55 minute documentary and it's timed and it has to be 55 minutes and zero, zero seconds. So I come from a place where everything is supposed to be laid out. You're supposed to have everything. You're supposed to know what you're doing from segment to segment. A lot of that still carries through to my show, but Les was doing all this stuff on his own. And I told him, I said, I'm willing and capable of helping, whether if you need audio or whatever it is that, that you need to help the show work, I'm, I am here to help make the show work. And he was shocked by this because no one had really done this for him. Like, Les would do stuff where, all right, I know I have to explain this, so we have to go into the time machine. Earlier, I was saying I worked on a reel. Reel to reels is how we would do editing. And basically, it's one long piece of tape that starts on one reel and ends on another. You record your stuff, stuff that you want to edit. You cut it out. You you mark it. It's placed on the, the reel. You kind of run it back and forth with your hand to get it to the right spot. You do a diagonal line with a grease pen. You cut it. And you literally tape the tape back together and then you have your finished product you take your finished product that's all on one reel so i mean you're recording sound drops on there you're recording music on there like all this stuff you take that and then you put it on a cart and you put the cart in and you play the cart and you have your your stuff less would be in such a hurry because he was coming back from a game or whatever he would just stop the reel like with his hand. So the reel's like playing and he would just stop it and you hear whoop. Like you hear. And so I told him, I said, that's not how we should do things. We should make things sound as good as we can. We should make them sound clean. And he appreciated that. Like he really, really appreciated that. So he kind of, every time that I would suggest something, he would give me more responsibility because he understood that I cared about his show. Like I, my name's on the show. I'm, I'm the producer of the show. And that's how I've always felt. A lot of times in sports radio, 
producers think that the show only belongs to the host. And it's not true. Like, that's your resume. Your resume is on that show. So if the show sounds shitty, that's on you that it sounds shitty. And I didn't want, I didn't want a Lawrence Holmes production to sound shitty. And I didn't want less to. I wanted him to sound as good as he could. So we cleaned up a lot of his sound. Like I, I went, there were days and days where I'm going through. I'm like, we need to re-record this. We need to re-record that. All of this stuff. And so here, here's the moment where I get to be on the air. It's one of my favorite stories to tell. Les had been out covering the Eastern Conference Finals. So this is 98. So what was that? That's Pacers and Knicks, I want to say. It was definitely Pacers because he was driving back. Or 99. 99. Um, I, I, he was driving back from Indianapolis. And I'm looking at the clock because I'm there at 11 o'clock or whatever. And I'm like, there's no way he's going to make it. Now, ordinarily, Tommy Williams would have stuck around until Les walked in the door. But Tommy had something going on the next day that didn't allow for him to stay. So he signed off his show, I think at 12.56 or 12.57. He stayed a little longer than he wanted to, to give Les a couple of minutes. I'm on the phone with Les and Les is driving back and he was notorious for like driving like a crazy person from place to place. I said, what are we doing? Cause you're not here. And he's like, I'll be there. I'll be there in a few minutes. The old score used to be 4949 West Belmont. So the Belmont Cragen neighborhood, the antenna is still there. And the building that we used to broadcast out of is still there. Les drove all the way back from, was it Market Square Arena back then? I think that's right. So he said, we're going to start the show on the phone. I was like, I'm sorry, what are we doing? He's like, I'll call in and you can just pop me up and we'll start the show. So I'm talking to Zampillo, who was Tommy's producer at the time. I said, this guy wants to start his show on the phone. He's like, well, what are you going to do? Like, no one else is here. I was like, you're right. So it was me. Basically, me and Zampilla were the only people, and whoever was DJing at, at XRT, because they shared the space with us on the other side of the building. Les does the first few minutes on the air on his phone, and it was hysterical. And he's literally walking through. We had a back door, like a heavy back door. He walks into the studio and I said, let's take a break. And then you can, we can say, hey, you're back. We'll take a break and then we'll get into it. So he's wired, man. You know, he, he did the drive from Indianapolis. He made it in less than three hours, the north side of Chicago. And he's wired, like he's totally wired. Well, being wired and amped up when you're doing a radio show, it, it can last for a big, big portion of time. And then you hit a wall. And he hit a wall. Like, I think he probably got to about, and the show, remember, the show was 1 to 5.30 a.m. He had great energy up until about 2.45. 
And that's when you saw like everything. Cause he had just driven 180 miles or whatever it was after covering a game. Like, think about that. He covered a game, drove all the way back, and then he jumps on the air. Now, any producer's job is to make sure that their host sounds as good. And now we have to add in looks as good as they possibly can on the air. But I can see that Les is just completely fading. And so Les wears glasses or he wore glasses and he was doing the thing where you lift up the glasses and you start rubbing your eyes. (laughs) So he falls asleep. Literally on the air, on the air. We had a caller up. The caller was asking him a question. And so I jumped on the air. It was my first time like being on the air. Like I jumped on the air and I said, Les, what do you think about that? So I'm like hitting, there's a button called the talk back and it has a different sound. It's a different channel where the producer can talk to the host and only the host can hear the producer. So I'm tapping on the talk back to get his attention. And I'm saying on the air, Les, hey, what do you think about what he, what this guy just said? And he goes, so Les like wakes up and he's like, what do you think about it, Lawrence? What do you, what do you think? And so I give an answer and it gave him the context clues that he needed to, to talk with the caller. So he ends up having this you know, conversation with the caller. Everything was great. And he said to me, he goes, you can talk on my show whenever you want. And I was like, great, because I want to talk about things. And so from we always had a really good relationship as like producer host. And honestly, like I, I really valued working with Les because he was truly grateful I think that he had gotten to this place of I'm the overnight guy. Like I'm, I do this thing and I, I'm this encyclopedia of sports knowledge in Chicago. And he wasn't expecting any help. We were still exploring what 24 hour sports radio looks and sounds like. So there wasn't a lot like they, the, it, the building was usually just me and him. And I appreciated. I appreciated that how much work we had to put into the show on a nightly basis. There have been a bunch of people on Twitter that have talked about whether it was was Rick Tellender or Mark Potash that would just call us. Dan Pompey. I think Dan was, I think Dan was the only one that was getting up to like work out. I think Dan Pompey would sometimes we call him and be four in the morning and he's like, yeah, you know, I'm going to go lift or whatever. But they would call in like potash would just call in sometimes to argue with less about whatever. And it was great. And I got to do some of the production for I it's my voice on the down, down, down Lakers going down thing. I got to remaster. And for that, you suck and bum of the week. And he allowed me to play around with the genre. And I I really appreciated that. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. 
At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And the cool thing was, as I moved on career-wise, like he was, he gave me a really good recommendation when Tommy's, when Zampillo moved up to the afternoon show, it was kind of how it worked. Like Zampillo and I were hired on the same day, but he had interned at the score. So people like they believed in him more than they believed me because they didn't really know me. So when he would get promoted, usually I would get promoted. And he gave me a really good recommendation, even though he didn't want to lose me on the nighttime show. But Herbie was on his way up, and, and Herbie did a good job of producing less. The guy was was so much fun to work with because he gave you a blank canvas. He just he was just so impressed that anyone wanted to help him. And then you add that to all of the things that make less less anyway and you end up with a lot uh, with a fun show the other thing i'll say about less is i can't even put into words what it was like to be in the press box i'm gonna try i'm gonna try to explain this to you the soldier field press box is divided Usually print media, it's also was the last thing built in New Soldier Field. And it's got terrible sight lines for the media. It's on an angle. And that angle stretches, you know, 40 yards back and diagonally from the 50-yard line. Okay? The print guys are closer to the 50-yard line. The electronic media is closer to the south end zone, okay? My seat, they had all of the the radio people for the most part together, but specifically the folks at the score, the seats went like this. Schuster, Les, me, George, and then Kerner. (laughs) And Les was always... He would always come. If you ever watched Seinfeld, Les would walk into the press box the way Kramer would walk into Jerry's apartment. There's a lot of fumbling. He's got all this stuff. He was probably covering a Northwestern game the day before. There's all sorts of old programs and food wrappers and everything else that you would think there with Les. He's he's got a, a... Schuster's always reading both of the news, the Sunday newspapers. So that's just strewn about where we sit. And George and Shu and Les have worked together for so long that they know each other. And Les loved to talk to you. 
And sometimes he never, he didn't take a breath, man. Like he didn't take a breath and he just wanted to talk. And there are days when you're all for it and you're taking mental notes. And then there are days when you're just like, shut up. And Shu was the person in the press box who was always telling him to shut up, which was great because you needed that from time to time. And George was always the one that was correcting him because, you know, yes, Les had the encyclopedia, uh, encyclopedic knowledge of stuff. But as you get older, sometimes you remember things differently. And George was always like playing ombudsman saying, that's not how that happened. Here's how it happened. And it was just fun, like sitting like the ball busting that went on between George and David Schuster and Les was amazing. Amazing. You, you would have loved it. I tried to bring people in and explain it as much as I could on the air. And I've, I've put in a couple of videos cause it's magnificent, but the ball busting that went on was an absolute joy. And, and, there's a the video that I have where he's talking about baloney. Baloney. It's literally during the national anthem. The rest of us are standing up. Les is recording. So Les would also do these. He did this. He was a stringer. What a stringer was is that it's someone who's at an event in one city who's working for a national network. So let's say NFL network radio. They need someone to tell them what's happening in the Bears game. So they call Les. So Les would do these updates like every 15 minutes or so. You know, they do around the NFL. And then there's Les with his his phone, his, his actualized phone. And he's sitting there giving you the, the lowdown on what's happening with the Bears. And it, it's just amazing. Like to watch all of it was an amazing time in my life that I, I enjoyed it so much, enjoyed it so much watching all of this stuff take place. And of course, there's the Super Bowl stuff. Les went to the Super Bowl every year. He loved going to the Super Bowl. He loved talking to the musical acts at the Super Bowl. He has asked questions of Madonna and the Black Eyed Peas and Everyone who isn't named Prince, Les is asked the question of. And I'm sure that we have the clip somewhere at the score of him and Madonna going back and forth. But it was always a thing for him. He wanted to be at the biggest events. And he also wanted to be at the prep events. He wanted to, to, to he loved to talk about all the great high school and college players that he saw growing up and watching them grow up and all of this stuff. The Northwestern DePaul game that takes place, he's the one that came up with the idea that there be a trophy and there be a most valuable player of that game. So whenever DePaul and Northwestern play, he gets to present that trophy. He... He's complicated. Less isn't for everybody. And, and I mean, I, I have friends who work in the industry that 
not big fans of his and and they're justified like they're justified in feeling the way that they feel my experience with Les was wonderful and I learned a lot I joked about it on Twitter the way that he treated me was my template for how to treat producers and interns the way that he wanted you to be a part of the carnival that was his show that he would show implicit trust if you had an idea and you had done the work he put it on the air when you're doing an overnight show five nights a week and sometimes we'd be asked to pick up shifts like along the way or this person has to leave early or whatever there were nights when Les was doing, when I was doing the nighttime show, there were nights where I look on the schedule and I'd be like, why are you here? Like we do transition. I'm like, why are you here? It's like, well, we don't have anyone or we don't have the, the money to do the midnight show tonight. So I'm just going to go from 10 until five. So I'd usually try to stay with him for as long as I could to eat up that first hour because it's ridiculous, you know, him, a man doing a seven hour radio show, but he loved it. He loved the opportunity to talk about Chicago sports and talk with people about all of the great things. He, the Lee Ilya stuff, he's, he was very proud of that. He's very proud to be the person who has that recording. This is one of his calling cards. To his family and his son, Scotty, who I know, who came in and and I worked with Scotty a little bit, like him very much. I offer my sincere, sincere thanks for what that man did for my life and my career. And I know that it's hard whenever we lose someone. And I honestly, like the last month has been extremely difficult for me and anyone associated with the score because of losing JD and now losing less. It's waking up to that is it's horrible. And I know that Mitch Rosen, who's our program director, he's literally on the phone with Les. eight, nine hours before he passed away. And dealing with that is hard. He probably wouldn't want us making a fuss about him because he, he kind of operated and I'll just come in and I'll do my deal and I'll get out of here. But hearing already from so many people who enjoyed listening to that show and enjoyed when... Les was just on one and he seemed like he had lost his mind or he didn't want to listen to learn what a three technique is and all this other stuff. I have friends that don't work in this industry who know who Les Grobstein is. And they know the more sports, Les Grobstein. Whether he was doing UIC hockey or Chicago Sting soccer or covering the Super Bowl, covering the NBA Finals, 
covering terrible Cubs and White Sox teams year in and year out, covering Michael Jordan, being there for the biggest moments in Chicago sports history. I think that we've all learned a lot from Les. And I know that I did. I know that what he gave me was belief. When someone who's that big in the business, and growing up, I was a fan of Stephen Gary. I was a, a, a radio-aholic back in the day. So I knew about Les. And I would hear those guys, like, talk to him and talk about him. And, and so being there on the other side of the glass from him when I was 23 years old was amazing. To be able to be like, I worked with Les Grobstein. Like, that's, we do our little overnight deal, and, and it was fun. I know that he's going to be missed, and I'm not sure how you replace him, to tell you the truth. I hope that we do keep score overnight live and local, because quite honestly, like, Les did a great job of building a bridge to Mully and Hanley and now Mully and Hall. And it's a small thing because people don't really value overnight. As far as ratings go, like you don't really value it. You don't sell overnights. Like usually what would happen is the commercials that are played in overnight are add-ons for clients that are on during the day. But I'm convinced that beyond just the Cubs were on and people got out of their car when they were done listening to the Cubs game or Cubs post game and then listened to Mully and Haw, I'm convinced that there are people who stuck with the score because like they were turning on their radio and hearing less. Like they they didn't hear a national show and they didn't go off in, in some other space. I occasionally get to do Channel 9 in the morning and I I love that because I was driving in, like listening to Les be mad at something or think something was hilarious or playing a Beavis and, and Butthead drop or whatever. The word icon gets thrown around a lot, but the dude was iconic. And what he did for Chicago radio was iconic. He is a character that no one would ever believe existed. But he existed, and we all got to witness his ridiculous brilliance up close. I will miss him very much, and I imagine that you will too. Thank you so much for listening. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.